I get the pleasure to introduce what we're doing today and introduce a special guest. Uh, so last week, uh, if you were with us, uh, was our annual remembrance service when we um, light a candle and have a moment of silence f uh, to remember loved ones lost by people in our community in the past year. Uh, it's always a really important service to me last year and uh, or every year, and it was really, really nice last year, uh, last week. Um, we wanted to say this week um, that we wanted to like stay in that vein of holding grief, and so perhaps. Um, you can see I've, I've been thinking about that in just the sort of the, the songs that we selected this morning and the, and, and the prayers that are coming out of me this morning. Um, we don't want to stay in the place of holding grief to be morbid, <laughs> uh, but just to, you know, to, to recognize that as we talked about last week, like uh, at any given point in a community like ours, somebody is in grief at any given point. Uh, we can just count on it. There's just enough of us. And so that's the, that's the case. Sometimes we're the one grieving. Sometimes we're someone close to the one grieving. Or sometimes we're pretty, you know, like multiple steps removed from whoever is in grief in our community. But our showing up to that reality still matters nonetheless because we can kind of make that space more comfortable for those people who are in that place or not. Um, this is one of the great tasks of doing life not alone is that we're all kind of on our own tracks and experiencing our own things. So... Um, it bears open and honest discussion, right? Because it sounds right that we should do that. Yeah, of course, we should be a space that's acknowledging and welcoming of people who, no matter what space they're in. But it is so difficult to not, like, succumb to the pressure of, like, saying the right thing, right? Or, you know, just, or, like, not just imploding from the awkwardness of silence, right? How do we do that well? So it bears conversation um, so we don't shut ourselves down or we don't like uh, a phrase that we were using a couple of months ago, should all over ourselves about what we ought to be saying in situations of grief. So we want to talk about that and uh, to help us with questions uh, like these of what do we do um, in, in spaces of grief. I thought it would be great to welcome back a special guest who we loved having at, uh, in Brownline Church remotely last year for a discussion uh, that we, about what we can learn from chaplains. I am really honored to welcome and say hello to my friend, Natasha Huang. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Vince. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're so thrilled to have you. Uh, Natasha is a hospital chaplain in California, and you all will be able to see her up on the screen. I have her here in my, my laptop in front of me. Um, she and I are friends through a once-a-week uh, virtual group that learns about contemplative prayer practice together. Uh, and I know Natasha to be one of the warmest conversationalists I have ever met, uh, a deceptively clever practical joker, and also a fierce advocate for the left out, the forgotten, and the unconsidered. So, Natasha, for those who have uh, not heard you before with us, I wonder if you can tell us a bit about yourself and about being a chaplain. Sure. Thanks, Thanks for that really warm introduction, Vince. Um, let's see. So, I am a hospital chaplain here in California. Um, my job on a day-to-day -day basis is to provide spiritual and emotional support to patients and their loved ones while they are in the hospital, uh, healing from illness, uh, but sometimes um, going through pretty intense loss of health um, or loss of life, depending on the spectrum of patients that I deal with. So I can have a visit with a patient who's about to be discharged and excited about physical therapy and learning to walk again. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I might be dealing with um, end of life. So 
um, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, you hold a lot of grief in your uh, in your work. I can imagine uh, over the course mm-hmm. of any given uh, workday or work week, and even have to, I suppose, like bounce between. Like maybe you're you're in like you're saying like you you have people who maybe are very excited, and and it, some of the support is like yeah, I'm cheering you on, and then you have people who are maybe quite despondent or despairing or or, or worried, and and you have to kind of oscillate between those two realities, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, it's, it's the joy and the struggle of this line of work. And it reminds me of the spectrum of human experiences. Yes. All of that is ours to go through as humanity. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if um, we have a few questions to loosely guide our time, but I wonder, Natasha, if before um, I went to those, um, you told a story when you were with us last time that has stayed mm-hmm. with me so, like, I, I still I still think about it uh, constantly, and it was about um, your question to to a patient that you were walking alongside with. Um, that was how did you get that superpower? I wonder if you could tell us that story a little bit. Yes, um, hopefully time has not warped my memory of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the context that I was sharing that story was that I see my role as a chaplain as one who accompanies through a non-anxious presence. And so my fundamental assumption is that people do not need me to fix them, to tell them the solution to their problems. Most of us have an access point to something within us. For Christians, that would be our relationship with God. Um, But I believe that people are able to access inner resources that will guide them for their particular situation. And I don't know what's most helpful to somebody at a given point. My role though, is to hold space for that person to remember what that resource is because mm-hmm. illness and stress can cloud our ability to reach out to the things that will work for us because it's just so stressful. So to have someone else be there and say, I'm here with you, I'm holding the stress with you, can free up some energy for that patient or that family member to remember who they are and what their strength is. And so a lot of times when I talk with patients, we talk about previous experiences, um, things they've already gone through in their life. And it often boggles my mind how resilient they are. And I feel like I'm learning from them and with them about their own strength and experiences. And so that question, I think, came from that space of like, my goodness, you are an incredible human. You know, you have this superpower. Where did you get it from? And it was out of my pure curiosity, but I think the the sort of effect was also to remind that person, I am amazing. How did I get this far? <laughs> what is my superpower? Let's see. I love that. I have, I've literally used that question since. Um, I, I think mm. I may have even shared it at church at one point of like, what is your superpower is such a, such a generative question um, when trying to accompany someone in grief, when trying to hold grief with somebody else. And you see them, you see them, make a move or suggest something that really, that like, oh gosh, like, look, I, I, see, I see that grief moving through you. What's the way that we can encourage that and call that out and see that and, and help people see that it is not, I don't, you know, it's not like any amazing thing that I offered as the person with that, uh, with that person in grief, but it's something that they remembered from their own life. Where did you get that superpower? Mm-hmm. I just love that. So it, it's felt really useful to me. 
I wonder if a good um, segue there is, um, so we, uh, there are th we had some uh, questions to kind of guide and uh, see, what we can, uh, see what we can talk about in terms of grief. And the first question, Natasha, that we came up with was, where is spiritual practice in grief? And, um, and, you know, so this could be your prayer life. This could be just um, what, what does it mean to do a little bit of what we were doing when we were singing together of, like, trying to search for love in your life and calling that God. Where is that when you are in grief? Um, I don't know. That feels, it feels connected to what you're talking about of, like, remembering things that are internal to you, resources that you just need to remind yourself that you have access to. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that at all feel connected to you, Natasha? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, one thing that I think is helpful to me when I think about spiritual practices is, you know, this distinction between something that's personally meaningful to my spirituality versus a type of um, shoulding to uh, piggyback off of what you're saying, right? I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And that can lead to a sense of defeat and disappointment in myself while I'm trying to grieve or cultivate something that's nurturing for me. So one of the things again, hopping on that same line of thought of what are resources that are already available to someone. I think about habits that I already have in my life. I think it's hard for me to start a new habit or a new spiritual practice like while I'm grieving or trying to process something. So it's easier for me to lump a spiritual practice into something that's already ingrained in my life. So for me, that might look like I like to take long walks that's not a hard thing for me to start doing at this point. So what can I incorporate in the long walk? Um, maybe I can be more intentional when I'm taking a long walk about acknowledging that God has walked with me or is walking with me, or that the memory of a loved one is with me as I walk, right? Um, I have a practice of um, at the hospital where I work, there's a chapel where I can light a candle every morning and so that's an easy add-on where when I light the candle, I can think of someone um, each time. So I think spiritual practices can look different for every person according to who they are and how they're wired. And I think that's sort of the beauty of um, making it our own process and not what we should do or um, what someone tells us to do. Um, so that's sort of my baseline for how to think about spiritual practices in times of grief. Yeah, that feels really helpful. Um, can, can I ask a follow-up question of um, maybe, are there differences, maybe there aren't, are there differences between the way that you would recommend to, uh, to me as somebody who is in grief versus me as somebody who's accompanying somebody else's grief when it comes to mm -hmm. spiritual practice? Like, are, is, it, is it roughly the same? Are there, are, there, are there nuances? Wow, that's an amazing distinction to be thinking about. Um, I think there are some distinctions. So I know for myself, when I'm going through grief, um, it can feel crazy. <laughs> like, it can feel like what has happened. So, you know, it sounds pretty to talk about lighting a candle or going on a walk. And those things are true. And also, there are times that I might feel numb or I might feel like I can't get out of bed or I'll be lucky if I can shower, right? And can I give myself the compassion and non-judgmental presence mm -hmm. to just be and feel the feelings or not feel them yet? I think there are times that it's just enough to get through the day and not quite unpack things yet. And so I think my bottom line too is there is no right way to grieve. Um, 
And so I think for someone going through whatever stage of grief they're in, um, I'm going to intentionally not rely on uh, Kubler Ross's five stages of grief here. Yeah. Um, so, I know so people probably. Have that. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful. It's a helpful framework, but um, you know, with bargaining, depression, anger, denial, and acceptance, those are all part of the mix, and there's there's so many layers. So, I think sometimes for the person going through grief. Um, there's no there's no prescription for how to do it, yeah. and I think for the person accompanying someone going through grief, um, it is about sort of attuning to where that person is, and also being aware of what their grief stirs up in me. So if their mm. grief is bringing up something in me, what am I attending to in myself, and am I willing to go there as I or even before I go and try to be of help to someone else? Oh, that that's really sense. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that just—it just feels uh, that feels really good because that feels really challenging, right? Like it is so <laughs> easy to, um, in uh, if somebody is experiencing something and I'm I'm not fully um, able to like stop myself and 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 look from their perspective that I might like personalize uh, what they're talking about and 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 shift the subject toward me or shift the focus of this conversation toward me. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we really have to have eyes to see. Um, where is grief? And if we're not asking ourselves that, then maybe we miss somebody in a pretty big way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of um, good intentions can lead to, um, I think when we start out with good intentions, adding a self-awareness piece to it can really bring a lot of growth for ourselves and hopefully mm -hmm. healing with others too in the process. So um, just giving ourselves grace, but also um, trying to be more aware of what arises in me first and not fixating on my need to be helpful for someone else. Yeah, yeah, that's very good, that's very good. Um, a second question that we'd um, uh, talked about uh, would be worth um, batting around. And um, I wonder if, before I mention the question, I'm, I'm struck by how um, obviously our our, our immediate like presenting idea for this was we, we talked about death last week, um, but grief stretches beyond just like losing a loved one, right? Like grief can be about loss of ability or grief can be about, um, you know, a, a failure in life or grief can be about a betrayal or grief can be about losing something that's, you know, that's not a person. Um, so yeah, just feels helpful to kind of call that out as we go forward because I'm, I, I think what you're saying really, really matters to all those things. Um, maybe before I ask the question, anything, anything further you'd say on that, Natasha, before we, before we jump to question two? I love that you kind of um, shifted some attention there, grief, or yeah, on grief, um, Vince, because I think you're right. You're totally right. Grief can be the death of a dream, the death of so many other things. Um, the death of a community or an ideal. And so grief is just grief. <laughs> um, yeah. I think maybe sometimes our society likes to rank grief, you know, like death is the ultimate grief. And then there's smaller griefs that aren't as important or aren't as legitimate. There are some private unnameable griefs that are not as acceptable to say aloud in society. Whereas mm. if, um, you know, if someone passes away or something that that seems like something that could be shared in a different way. And so it's important, I think, to acknowledge um, that grief is grief. And there are different 
layers of it um, for depending on a person's experiences. So um, I try not to be um, hierarchical about it. Yeah. Uh, when I, yeah. That's the right phrase. Yeah. Not to be hierarchical. I, um, I'm looking in our, our chat from this morning and a really excellent um, comment from Julia that I think is related to this as well. She just wrote, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just hard to recognize when we are grieving. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. like when we're not talking about death of a loved one in particular. Um, and boy, doesn't that, doesn't that add a level of shoulds, right? That we, that we need to be on the lookout for, not to, not to berate us and make us feel so disappointed. Um, because it, maybe we don't even realize that we are grieving, but if we can name that a bit more, maybe that's part of spiritual practice, right? Is spiritual practice can be able to help you understand that maybe I, what I'm experiencing is grief. Mm. Well, the second question that we wanted to um, bat around um, that I, I, I think certainly picks up right where we're leaving off here is where is God at all in grief? Uh, what, if I just leave that massively open-ended question to you, Natasha, what, how do you respond? Where is God in grief? <laughs> so, vulnerable moment here. This question is hard for me. Uh, it's really hard for me. And just because I'm a chaplain does not mean I'm good at grieving or understanding it. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to be real and say sometimes it's really hard to understand where God exactly is in grief, if at all. Um, you know, I, I know from my upbringing in the church, I believed and really, you know, internalized um, concepts like the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, right? And, you know, I know in my head that in the Psalms, David is grieving and feeling close to God and also questioning where God is. It's <laughs> um, yeah. sort of in the same mix of everything, right? And so um, I definitely think my own grief has tested my understanding of and belief in God's presence uh, when I'm in my lowest. And so it's still a learning curve for me. And I still... Um, I still really think about uh, something that you mentioned during worship, Vince, about um, fixating on why God allowed this to happen or why God made this happen. It does not seem helpful for me in times of feeling like I've lost something huge and it's very unfair. Um, but the humanity of God in choosing to come down to my level or over to my level um, seems more helpful uh, when I think about, um, do I really understand what it means when Jesus understands every sorrow that I've had or that Jesus on the cross asked God why uh, God had forsaken him? Um, so maybe that means it's okay for me to say like, God, I don't feel you. I, I feel like you totally abandoned me, right? If if Jesus would say something similar, perhaps it's okay for me to it's, get in touch with that feeling. It's good permission, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I I I am struck as well. I mean, I think that this is this is a topic that um, our community has will come back to frequently. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of um, of what you mentioned of the, this question about you know. Why would why would something happen, or why why would God let something happen? And just the um, w that that question rarely being generative enough 
to um, get us something that brings um, that that brings a sense of God's presence. Um, whereas there are different avenues into even those questions, where maybe it's the wrong question, um, that we have found um, in in this idea of God being in solidarity with us, this this mm-hmm. picture of God that is shown in in the person in the teachings of Jesus, where that I mean, like there's there's never there there is hardly it's 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 almost so in our face that we hardly realize it that like um, God is uh, shows God's self to the world by being next to us, not up above. And, but that so breaks a lot of our preconceived notions about where God is. We, we even like when we pray, you know, we're even we're, we're taught like to, you know, to, to look up or to, or to look down because God is looking at us and we better be, you know, we better be reverent. Um, but this Jesus picture is, you, you, even, you even use the words of like, maybe, maybe God isn't coming down, but coming over to us. And I just, I, I think that's a really beautiful turn of phrase of God coming over to us rather than coming down to us. Uh, this God is really familiar with these kind of feelings, and we have permission to feel them too. <laughs> um, uh, that, 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 feels, that feels much more generative in a way that the looking up why question um, rarely does. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, if I can share a tiny anecdote from my work in the hospital, um, you know, I get asked questions by patients sometimes, you know, what did I do that God is punishing me? Or why did God allow this to happen to me? Because I've been good my whole life. And, you know, I sometimes wonder if my own struggle with the question um, just gives me permission to be real. And I will tell a patient, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. And I, I feel just as confused with you because it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair that this is happening the way it's happening to you. Um, and to give ourselves permission to say, I don't know either, but I'm here with you. I'm here with you. And I'm here to hear you, hear you ask the question. And maybe that in and of itself is part of God's presence among two or three gathered, right? Um, that maybe we don't feel God in the way we understand that we should be feeling God's presence. Like, I don't feel God's presence. And there's a human here who also doesn't understand and is willing to sit with me. Perhaps that's part of the the mystery of God's presence embodied in God's people in, in a way. So there are times that I've, I've been asked to pray with patients and I will just pray those questions aloud. God, we come before yeah. you yeah. and we, we don't know. Help us to get through this because we're so confused. That's a wonderfully practical uh, insight, I think, for those of us who um, are into this conversation right now is we're, we're with somebody who's in grief. Um, mm-hmm. Praying those questions aloud on behalf of them is a great way to hold grief um, with other people. And it is not a way that you, you know, have to answer to that pressure to say the right thing or do the right thing. You can just share in their questioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, one thing I'm struck by in just that that last response and um, your your anecdote is how um, that really feels consistent with what you mentioned before about um, helping people access the resources that they they have within them. It's just kind of remembering it, and e- even that idea of like um, if we are to access, if God is to become present to us in grief where, uh, with somebody who is grieving or me who's coming alongside who's someone who's grieving, uh, if we are to find God. 
God is not, you know, some distant place that I have to bring God to that person or like, you know, with some answer or some perfect response. God is, a, is if, if we believe in anything of like, you know, this guy, this God residing in, in the human heart, you know, I will, I will, I will put my, my spirit in each heart. Uh, that, that idea that like, oh, God is there. It is, it is attuning ourselves to the God that is present already. Um, and that's a really different way. Um, that's, that's a, I think it's, it's another way that dials down the shoulds a little bit when I'm mm-hmm. accompanying somebody in grief. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it takes the pressure off for sure. It allows us to be more present to that person because we're not scrambling inside our own minds of like, oh my gosh, what I do, you know? I have to provide it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, our third question that we wanted to bat around is um, uh, picking up uh, right from there is where is community in grief? Mm-hmm. This is... Um, this is a really cool and maybe sometimes challenging piece of the conversation because I think there's a space for community in grief and there's a way that um, perhaps I and other people have been hurt by others who mm. tried to comfort me in times of grief and made it feel harder. And so I think it's a beautiful question to tackle. Um, I think, I think the, the upside of, of having community is definitely that um, we can be held by people who love us and know us or seek to love and know us better. Um, in my experiences, there are times that the grief is very silent and I can't find words to express what I've lost and how I feel about it. And then perhaps there might be a time where I can give voice to the things I've lost and the memories that I want to hold on to. And the telling of the stories or the telling of the experiences can be so healing. Um, I actually find that in the hospital, um, someone who's in the process of maybe losing one parent to an illness will actually speak more about losing their other parent to another illness five years ago. Hmm. And this current ongoing grief is now finally giving voice to a grief that happened a couple years ago that at the time maybe was processed differently. And so I actually might hear more about the other parent who has already passed on than the one who's currently transitioning um, from the, the family member. And so mm. it's, it's pretty amazing how um, grief is also not linear. Um, yes. Sometimes, right. Sometimes it'll just, or sometimes we'll go back and close a loop at a different stage in our life that we couldn't quite articulate when we were going through something and it takes another new fresh experience to kind of help us put language to what that one was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The image, the image that we used this week, like, uh, for, uh, for our, our service to like on online was waves. Mm-hmm. Um, the, mm-hmm. the kids in kids church right now are, are reading, reading a story that, uh, about grief that, that use, evokes waves mm-hmm. uh, and waves really being like this, the, the optimal image uh, for um, for how grief works is it, it happens in waves. And uh, Natasha, you and I recently in our contemplative prayer group uh, had this encouragement to surf the wave rather than fight the wave. And I felt so helped by that, um, that it, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you, to, to surf the wave well, um, you, you need other people around you to help model that for you or show you how to surf mm-hmm. or teach you or mentor you, um, which all speaks to that community piece. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 
And I think as, as people come, if we are the ones accompanying another through grief um, to really lay aside our sense of logic of saying, well, you know, they're going through this right now. So what can we talk about that will help them get through this? Because maybe all they want to talk about is that. And maybe Mm -hmm. talking about that will help them get through this. Over here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how do we just be open and let God into that process and recognize that I'm not the conductor here. I'm just an accompanier. um, accompanier. And I get to bear witness. Yeah, that's really good. Um, this, this is sort of uh, a related question. I think the moment we talk about community or, or larger groups of people that may include grief, um, mm-hmm. I wonder it, how. I wonder if you could speak to how an awareness of societal privi- privilege or social location really textures mm-hmm. our understanding and responses to grief. Wow! Yeah, that's a very important awareness. Um, I think, you know, I'm constantly reminding myself. Um, because I need to be reminded that there is so much grief that's just all over our society. Mm. Um, And perhaps there are more people grieving that are walking around than I'm aware of. And so um, one never knows when it kind of, we brush up against a sensitive edge of somebody who's grieving something. And grief can be pretty complicated. You know, it can be... um, it can be so hard to, to bottle down into one area. So um, there might be areas that I also might assume other people are struggling with because I have been so privileged that I'm in a sense, my own fragility makes me assume that someone is having a hard time in a certain area. And it's, it's not up to me to decide what anyone's experience is, but that curiosity can help me understand how someone else is perceiving something. So I try to balance an awareness and a sensitivity of sort of assuming that everyone has um, some sort of grief or loss that they're dealing with. And also in that assumption to also stay curious and Mm. really find out and ask because, um, you know, sometimes I can think, oh, I'm, I'm doing my part in educating myself on systemic injustice and social inequality and, during COVID as a chaplain, you know, I really wanted to be mindful of the health disparities in different communities, communities of color who were much more impacted by the COVID crisis. And so seeing these different families come into our hospital with loved ones um, struggling with COVID, um, I had a juggling act of like, I know that this is, there's systemic things in our society and I really want to be sensitive to the families that I'm encountering, keeping in mind what might their, my, what might be their struggle, and also really checking in with each person as their own case and saying, how is this hitting you? How are you experiencing? Right. That's the really um, tough part of being sensitive is is being aware and also finding out more. That's it, it, again. It, we circle back to this idea of shoulds. Like we, there's almost this pressure that if I am someone who is a good accompanier or a good um, mm-hmm. se- who is sensitive to grief, I ought to mm-hmm. know how they feel. Mm-hmm. And yet, actually, maybe the best way to be an accompanier is to admit that you do not know that you have to ask. And mm-hmm. asking a question 
is is actually easier than like <laughs> but, but, it's, but for some reason we can't do it like we're we're convinced that like no no I need to be able to like say it before like that because that's what happens in the movies right they said it and then like music started and there were strings and everybody knew that they would be together for no that's not how it works right you have to ask the question mm-hmm. isn't that funny you know sometimes the easiest thing to do is the thing that like evades us like why don't you just ask? Why don't I just yeah. ask? <laughs> how is how are how are you feeling? How is this how is this hitting you right now? Maybe how are you feeling? Is that too general? Like what what do you have um are there any questions that you go back to in terms of that, mm-hmm. that can that can maybe do so in you know cuz some of those questions I think are so like uh they're just like so used uh constantly that they almost lose all their meaning. Um are there questions that can help you disarm or or just you know present yourself as helpful? Yeah. Um, how are you feeling is totally fine. And okay. there's also yeah. different iter- iterations of it. So one thing I will sometimes ask is what's on your mind? Mm. What's on your mind? Um, like or is there something I haven't asked that wants to be shared? Mm. Um, or how are you experiencing this right now? What's it like for you right now? Um and so I kind of have to test out a couple different questions to see which one really hits someone and is the one that helps them to access how they're feeling. Those are extremely useful. Thank you for that. I, I, I like coming away with like, um, I don't know, th- I like to have like ideas on the shelf that I can pull off as needed. So perhaps that feels helpful totally. to some of you all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, just as we're, as we're coming to a close, we'd love to have you pray for us, but I was wondering, you know, in the spirit of what you just modeled, is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to share? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, it feels pretty complete to me, I think. Yeah. Thanks for this. This was really wonderful. Good, good. Well, Natasha, mm-hmm. we would love, um, through the magic of the internet for you to pray over us as a community of people that are somewhere in between grief and accompanying grief or being steps removed from grief. What, you know, we're, 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 a, we're, a, as I was saying before, we're, none of us are too far removed from this. So we would love your, your prayers over us. I would be delighted. <sighs> so as you feel comfortable, if you would like to just center yourself Um, I will lift up a blessing. God of grief and God of goodness, I thank you for this community that leans in to grief and grief as a part of life and human existence. I ask that as we continue to breathe and be in touch with ourselves and our bodies and how what we've talked about today may have hit us in our bodies that we would remember we are not alone, that um, we are not alone in, in what we feel and that we can take steps to go towards another as well when we are in grief or seeking to support grief. Thank you for this wonderful option to ask questions of others and this wonderful option to ask questions of ourselves to ask how am I doing right now how am I experiencing this what's on my mind so 
Before we end, I just invite three breaths at your own pace to kind of process through those reflections. So we inhale and exhale a few times. I pray blessings over this wonderful community and the rest of their days, um, the rest of their Sunday, and may we all experience the fullness of our humanity in the midst of our questions. Amen.